Shining Star, The Mystery and Meaning of the Metal by Dale Wiley. I sit here before you knowing that I am a miracle. Last fall, I had multiple strokes. One was not enough. It took me at least four before I got my fill of strokes. My mother tells the tale the best. That day where I had almost no idea of where I was or what I was doing, I got a little bit of insight into the experience that my dad has all the time while having the dementia that he carries around. They showed us the MRI and there were just strokes all over the place. And the next day... Does strokes run in your family? No. No, no, but see, he has diabetes, and they thought it came from the oh, diabetes. Oh, the diabetes. I didn't know you had diabetes. I was diabetes. not taking care of it, and you know how it is. Yeah, you okay. You always think you can get, be smarter than you need to be. Oh. <laughs> but we live and learn. The next day after that happened, well, no, in fact, the day that that happened, they called and said, come up, and we went, and um, they had moved him. And so we went over to that place and we're headed back to see him. And the nurse came and stopped us and said, did you know he's had a stroke? And I said, no, I didn't. I mean, I just melted. But yeah. I went in and talked to him. And when the, when the doctor came in there, she held up a ballpoint pen and said, what is this? And he said, well, it's da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. He talked all around it because he's... They said it's very verbal, yeah. but he never did know what it was. Uh -huh. They showed him a color, and he didn't know what that was. He couldn't tell them what month it was, what day it was, anything. Wow. And I thought, oh, dear Lord. And so we went home like that. Then on the next day, we went up, and they had given him some kind of treatment or some kind of test, and so he slept late. And when he woke up, he was himself. Praise the Lord, it was a miracle. <laughs> it, was it was a miracle. Oh, my word. Nothing short of a miracle. Oh, so, my word. He never did So they didn't really life. do anything to him to, no, to no. instigate that. It no. was just no. a test. It nope. was, I think that, in other words, I really kind of think that there you are times when I've noticed how Dad feels. Because I think that he feels like that all the time. And mm -hmm. one thing I learned was that that day, you know, I really just didn't know what I was doing, where I was going, where I was. Yeah. Wow. You know, wow. so. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, yes. Lord. Yes. Yeah. For miracles. So yes. you're taking your medicine good now. Oh, oh yeah. 100%. The fourth stroke really shut me down. I was in the hospital for almost a month, and it was at the end of that experience that I realized I really needed to reduce the stress. Whatever I needed to do, I needed to clearly do something different. And so as I started thinking about what I wanted to do, I started thinking about the idea of just going out and interviewing people. This is at a point that I'm really unable to greatly walk. 
I'm kind of like a drunken spider walking around, and I thought about how nice it would be and how fun it would be to tell other people's stories. And so that's when I started a podcast. I called it The Dale Wiley Show mainly because I already had the domain, dalewileyshow.com. I really don't know that if I were starting over again, I would have chosen that name. But it was available, and I owned the darn thing, so I went ahead and took it. And... In doing that, I've talked to many people, and I've talked to everybody from Iwo Jima veteran to a man contemplating suicide and who's now started a fantastic ministry. It's been a really wonderful experience. And one of the people I wanted to talk to as much as anybody was my pastor, my childhood pastor, Martin Stokes. And I really thought that it would be interesting to get him on the phone and hear his thoughts about life. Martin was beloved, and he also started immediately talking about my dad, and I started realizing that even though my dad has dementia, I was missing an opportunity by not talking to him as well as my mom. Always held the session in high esteem. They were they were the uh, special group. Uh-huh. I tried to follow, I think, and I built it. And, and some of it came from your dad. I'll just have to say that. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, I would watch your dad in a session meeting, and he would sit very quietly and listen to what everybody said. And sometimes a, a particular problem or issue would come up, and they would talk for 30 minutes. And within about two to three minutes, your dad would sum it up, and everybody say, yeah, and that was it. <laughs> and it wasn't he was so forceful because he wasn't quote considered the uh the ancient one that he knew uh-huh. everything. He was just sure. a young lawyer and he was doing his thing. And as I read his this is something that always happens too. About a week ago, when you first contacted me, uh-huh. I had just been going through a file uh that I'm clearing out, I'm throwing out stuff right and left. And that's how I ran across the pictures of you and your dad. <laughs> Yes, definitely. We ran across a uh, 14-inch yellow uh, legal pad uh-huh. that was your father's sermon one Sunday when I was gone on Father's Day. Oh, really? I'm going to send that to you because I think you might. Okay. It's That's a, wonderful, yeah. It's a great thing. I treasure I'm not giving you the original. You get the original. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I like watching him the way he would work. My dad was always meticulous and is not at all surprising that in his speech, everything was typed out in the days of typewriters and that he had no mistakes. Martin gave me the, the gift of a time machine into my dad's intellect and his brilliance and everything about him that was fun and awesome and cool. And so I want to read a little bit of that to you now. I thank God for the gift and the influence of a firm and faithful father. I am thankful that I knew that the bond between a father and a son, a bond like no other, if only for 27 years. But I shouldn't say it lasted only 27 years, for it still exists today and forever. For the most precious recollection I have of my father is him holding my hand as the two of us walked together to the altar at the little church in Hurley. For it was there that we professed our faith, 
which has bound us together through all eternity, a faith in our Father in heaven, creator of the universe, giver of all good gifts, and a faith in the Son who died for us. As of right now, my mom has become his caretaker, doing things that she never thought she'd have to do again after raising kids. And ultimately, she is an amazing specimen. She is up when my dad can sometimes be down. She is absolutely the most fun and vibrant woman that I've ever known. And so while before I get too far talking about my dad, I want to introduce you to my mother, Janelle Wiley, who is equally as awesome. For your liking? You mean about the movie rating? Yes. Well, there's P. No, there's G. There's G. And then there's PG. And then there's R. And there was X. And you wanted to, you and wanted to know what you could go to and why you couldn't go to certain ones. And so I said, well, if it's a G, that's good. You can go to that. Guess because that's good. If it's a PG, that's pretty good. And probably you can go to that. If it's an R, that means it's rotten. And if it is a X, that means that nobody should see it, not even adults. Okay. And I would not allow you to watch the Waltons. And even though everybody Why? in the world thought that that was a wonderful story, John Bowie talked back to his parents, and I did not want that example for and you and Elizabeth. You did not want me to watch Happy Days. No, because that was pretty raunchy too, <laughs> as far as my my uh, feelings and my mores were. Is that the right word? Morals? I yeah. know mores, yeah. Okay. Whatever. That it just didn't fit in. But we finally did watch it after you got a little older. And we even watched A-Team after you got older. <laughs> and A-Team was just so funny. My mom is very funny. And as you can tell, she did not have much of a sense of liking the other or the more racy stuff. But she is an awesome person and I love her to death. And what I want to say is I really want to honor her with the thought of having a true PG funny movie because I will tell you that can be done and people don't want to do it even though I think it would be the greatest hit in the world. And so when I think about talking about my dad and my mom, they come from very different places. They're both very excellent. I will tell you in the beginning that this is at, at the very worst a PG story. And I really think that it's maybe G, but who knows? What I'm saying is it's got a really good message. And I convinced my mom, I talked to her, and I made sure that she was okay with me telling this unusual and special story about my dad and the medal that I never knew he won. 
My dad loved music and poetry and loved everything that was country music and the good country music, the old country music. And I learned about all that and politics and everything else. And I'm going to tell you about all those things in the next episode. Although he didn't mention his medal, he was a published poet published in the American Bar Journal. We took that poem to illustrate his humor, which was always on display, even if it was very quiet and understated. So just start? Yeah. Okay. I'm Esther Axley, and I'm the granddaughter of Robert S. Wiley. And I'm going to read a poem called Ode to the Magistrate Court of Stone County, Missouri at Galena in Sadie Beecham, Plaintiff V1, v Fleesum, Defendant. There once was a man named I Fleesum who worked for a lady named Beecham. He botched up the job and caused her to sob for the long arm of law to impeach him. So comes now the plaintiff and plainly relates the parties both live in the United States, the state of Missouri, county of Stone, and the sheriff may serve the defendant at home. In the month of September of 71, the work of defendant had just begun. He vowed to remodel the plaintiff's place, but left it with plaintiff a total disgrace. The pipes have been creaking, the roof has been leaking, from cracks fleecem left round the flue. The panels are tearing, the linoleum is wearing, and plaintiff is coming unglued. Wherefore, because of the way he seduced her, as balm for her wound she demand for filthy lucre, one thousand dollars won't stop the rain, but plaintiff assures me it can ease her pain. Great. Thank Good. you so much. Do you get yeah, what that is? It's, a fu it's funny. <laughs> you should need to say this was written by Robert S. Well, I think isn't that we'll going to be. That, yeah. He had so many things that were awesome about him. He loved sports, loved baseball and hockey, took me to many games. He took me to every country concert in the world. He also introduced me to presidents. And among these other things, Possibly the coolest thing about him is the way that other people viewed him. And so here, take a couple minutes and listen to George and Linda Gundy and Scott Pettit and Bill McCullough and have them tell you about my father. Yeah, there, there weren't anybody or didn't anybody better than your dad. Um, he's, he's ethically, uh, morally... I can't. I can't think of one negative thing about Bob. Not one thing. You know, he he in 37 years of practice, I can't think of another attorney or judge that I can't recall anyone having a bad word for at any time. You know, if if Bob Wiley told you something, you knew it was going to happen. You knew it was true. Um, I I've never ever known it. <laughs> I've never known of anything that he's ever done or or said that I was privy to that wasn't 100% accurate. I mean, he's one of the most trustworthy men I've, I've ever known. Um, he is and always has been the most, um, the person I looked up to most from, oh. a, from a moral, wow. moralistic, standpoint awesome. you know honesty was always so important to uh -huh. him yeah integrity you know those are the words that i think of when i think of bob wiley that's awesome uh, 
Well, I mean, it just just is. Any and every stories? person, yeah, there probably are a couple. <laughs> but every when I came into practice in 1985, uh-huh. uh, I mean, every person in the bar mm-hmm. who loved to say horrible things about <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Not yes. not a soul ever said anything negative that's about awesome. Bob Wiley, and that's, that, awesome. that's what I remember the most is just how everybody just uh, had complete and total respect for him. Well, what about his judge? Oh yeah, I mean, even more so. Um, what was I remember one of the first opportunities I had with him. Unfortunately, I uh, I. I had to plead a uh, sex offender on yeah. on Valentine's Day one year. Oh, really? Yeah. And, I, and uh, you know, I thought it was kind of cute to, to say something about that. And, and uh, of course, uh, Bob didn't want to disparage his robes and, and kind of kind of told me to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, and so there was there was that. And we had, uh, I know I tried at least one jury trial with him, and uh-huh. and it was, you know, it was a slip and fall case, uh-huh. and it was, I think the verdict was 600 and some odd thousand dollars. and sure. uh, And he was just, just wonderful all the way through it. Well, that's um, great. I mean, I didn't give me everything I wanted, but... Uh, but obviously gave us, but obviously, (laughs) obviously gave enough. enough. Yeah, Yeah. had that. And I I remember another case where it was back in the time when, um, when stacking insurance policies Uh and issues like that. And and the buzzword at the time was ambiguous policy language. Uh And uh, this wasn't a, wasn't a stacking case, but it was a claim on a homeowner's policy. Uh-huh. It's somebody riding an ATV and had a horrible accident. And we were trying sure. to trying to Stuck. get to. Sure. I guess so. I guess it would be stacking of uh, homeowner's policies because right. we'd collected on one and we were headed toward another one. Sure. And I just felt, you know, just emboldened. <laughs> I think Gary Brewer was on the other side, oh, and uh, we came in. Uh, he'd filed a motion for summary judgment, and I'm just giving all this stuff that Matt had given to me on uh, arguing uh-huh. about um, about policies and ambiguous language. And I sit down, and and Judge Bob looked at me and goes, "Scott, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not connecting the dots here." <laughs> And I just thought, oh, no, oh, no. Yeah. You know, and Gary Brewer had mentioned at the time, he goes, gosh, I thought I thought Bob was going to go with that. And I said, I did too. <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes. But it is. And that's, I mean, it's just proof that he certainly didn't give any favors out. Yeah. And I know, I guarantee you, he liked me better than he did Gary Brewer. <laughs> but it. I just went back to his integrity that yeah. he wasn't going to hand anything out, well, and just deeply respected that. That's always. Awesome. That's really the other thing, you know, is uh, hometown guy that uh-huh. that is and where he was, you know, his lifetime with complete and total satisfaction, and yeah. uh, so I, I kind of feel, you know, like he was a model for me. Oh yeah, in, very in much that. so. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 
I never understood why I was a Cleveland Indian fan. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> mm, didn't never never ever exactly, got got yeah. that other than you know Warren Spahn was a big <laughs> Bob Feller yeah. was it Bob Feller that he was his idol exactly, okay yeah. and uh, you know yeah that, that's but that's pretty and awesome. wasn't that the was that the Willie Mays catch nineteen fifty four yeah uh, yeah shot. and they didn't get back in until. Until the Cubs, <laughs> yes. oh, and I just thought, I just thought for sure oh, that they yeah. would win that game, and oh, how yeah, they yeah. how they didn't win it, I, I don't know. Well, uh, my feelings about your dad, either as a lawyer or not, are about the same. Uh, I think your dad is the finest person I've ever known. Oh wow! And uh, certainly, he was a role model to me, and. I tried to emulate him. Right. Helped me when I got started. In fact, probably kept my family alive until I became prosecutor. <laughs> Tell uh, me that. What do you mean by that? Well, um, you know, young lawyer starting out in practice doesn't have a steady income. <laughs> yes. And Bob would kind of uh, refer me a case that was it was it would be a case that was already completed, and he would say. Uh, it's set for next week, but I don't want to disappoint my clients by continuing it, so would you do me a favor by taking care of it for me? Oh, really? And then when the fee came, he'd give it to me. Really? We didn't split it. He would just give it to me. Really? And uh, that happened a lot. Wow. And then, of course, gave me a key to the office, and that was where I could do my legal research and have right. access to office equipment and such things. Uh-huh. My dad was my hero, and it was clear that we spent a lot of time together, and I really liked, I got to be involved with him in every aspect of his life, including politics and music and everything. We had so much fun together. But what I really want to know is, now that he lives between cobwebs and dreams, I want to ask him, why did you never tell me about the Bronze Star that you won and how very rare that was? Shining Star is written and produced by Dale Wiley with help from Harry Duran and Lori Bell. Music by Fletch Wiley. And thanks to Sarah Terrell. Check out my books at dalewiley.com and make sure to subscribe to the free podcast at dalewileyshow.com.